Hello, my name is Chris White and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, where we're going back in the time machine to November of the year 2001 for the latest installment of the WWF's UK pay-per-views. Joining me, I have the captain himself, Mr. Rory McNamara. Rory, how are we doing? Evening all, doing well today. It's another UK pay-per-view, Chris, but I am doing well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it and... I, I I mean, we'll, we'll get into it a bit later, but I don't, I'm not trying to be too biased here. I, I think this was a little better than some of the other ones. Um, maybe, but, just but, maybe. But it was certainly still a UK pay-per-view. <laughs> the catch-all term itself. So uh, we've got a very busy month here at uh, Wrestling 20 Years Ago headquarters. We've got three main shows dropping for you this month. Isn't that right, Rory? I think this is the first of the three. And then we've got two following up, if you want to tell the listeners a little bit about Yes, that. absolutely. It's just like old times. So this is our volume one. And with so much going on in November in the WWF, we had to split this into no fewer than three shows. So coming up shortly will be the first half of November 2001 where we will be looking at the build, such that it is, to Survivor Series. We'll be reviewing that pay-per-view, and we will be picking over the bones of the Alliance slash Invasion. And then, as I'm sure you've already heard, the reset button is pressed and pressed hard on the Raw after Survivor Series. So that one and the ensuing weeks will also have their own show as well. So just to recap, make sure I've got it straight in my head. This is Volume 1, Looking at Rebellion. Volume 2, the first half of November 2001, plus Survivor Series volume three the second half of november 2001 with particular close attention to the raw the night after have you got all that i'm not sure i have what i do know is that we are just covering rebellion here today and as long as i've got that much straight i think we're in for a good show um so yeah rebellion rebellion 2001 took place the 3rd of november in manchester england in front of a crowd exceeding 15,000 people Rory, uh, would you kindly take us through the results of this show? Most gladly. So in our opener, Edge successfully defended the Intercontinental Championship against Christian in a steel cage match. Scotty Too Hotty defeated for Hurricane, UK pay-per-view. Big Show defeated DDP uh, in a triple threat match for the WCW Tag Team Championship. The Dudley Boys defeated the APA and the Hardys. William Regal bested Tajiri in a standard singles match. For the WCW Championship, Chris Jericho successfully defended said belt against the newly heel and alliance member Kurt Angle, at least at this point. In our semi-main event, Lita and Tori Wilson beat Mighty Molly and Stacey Keebler with Trish Stratus as the special guest referee. And in our main event for the WWF Championship, oh yes, we were indeed treated to Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock. With Austin himself coming out victorious with the help of Mr. Angle. I wonder how much of my sort of generosity towards this show is just purely that main event. Um, Rory, what did you make of it? Something, something glorified house show in it. Something, something. But on this occasion, they were helped by the actual proper bona fide storylines that are usually largely ignored during these shows. And it became almost by accident a canonical show. A couple of things really fell into their lap that occurred the previous week or so before this event. I have no doubt at all that they scheduled November the 3rd to come over here and do this UK pay-per-view months and months and months before anything here was even remotely planned. I'm sure the alliance was just a twinkle in somebody's eye. (laughs) Now there's a thought for you. 
at the time. But with the two big title matches, what had been going on the previous weeks and maybe going back to No Mercy as well, they managed to work that quite nicely into this to make it seem at least a little more important than, if we're honest, it probably really was. But you cannot, must not and should not knock any pay-per-view that has Austin versus The Rock closing things out. And I'm not going to. Not much anyway. Yeah, I think kind of the the name matches on this show were matches that people wanted to see. And that was largely because of, as you said, the, the sort of the storyline that's dominated the last few months of this year in, in the Alliance and the Invasion. Like the matches played into that rather than, I mean, I remember the UK pay-per-views from last year where you get kind of like a, almost like a comedy main event was one of them i can't remember it was triple h and shane or something were involved in one something like that and um they were kind of different to they 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 felt out of place whereas if this i mean if this was just a legitimate pay-per-view it would have been underwhelming in places but it would have fit canonically all of the storylines that had been going on um, that we watch on TV every week on Raw on SmackDown, and it would they they would fit perfectly in place of that as we head into Survivor Series. Um, I, I think we had three good to great matches on the card. Yeah. Um, probably matches that we have seen better versions of elsewhere for all of them, but for a UK pay per view, I think I was pleasantly surprised. There's a lot of filler on here, um, but. I mean, that's kind of just what we have to take on the chin with these types of shows. Um, there, there, there wasn't too much egregiously bad. Um, and, and like I say, like the main event I thought was great, but they've certainly had better matches with each other. But you, you could be forgiven for skipping this show. But yeah, I mean, for what, sort of two hours, 20 is, is kind of the runtime, two hours, 15 yeah. and you're gonna you're gonna see some stuff you enjoy during that time and it's not gonna drag so it's hard to say that i would knock this or or even wouldn't recommend it but it's also i, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say you need to go out your way to catch this one now, i should say that some people did though because it was shown on closed circuit tv if in 2001 we still call it that at wwf new york and i think this is the first uk pay-per-view that has occurred for so it's got that going for it as well so we get things started with our opening match which is edge defending his intercontinental title against christian in a steel cage match we've got pinfall submissions and escaping the cage all in play here christian attacks the start and gets some stomps in as edge reverses an irish whip and back hits a backdrop edge uses his jacket to choke christian and punches away in the corner christian comes back by uh blocking Edge from uh, hitting his face into the cage and hits a reverse DDT. Christian tries to escape the cage, but Edge cuts him off. He looks for a spear, but Christian avoids it, and Edge hits the cage hard. Christian capitalises by targeting his shoulder and his neck before a backbreaker gets two, as Ross tells us that Edge has spent more time on the canvas than Rembrandt. Christian tries to escape via the door, but Edge pulls him back into the cage. Christian regains control with a series of right hands and props Edge on the top rope. Edge blocks the superplex attempt and instead nails a crossbody for two. Christian reverses an education, education, sorry, I should say, attempt with a catapult into the cage before a roll up by Christian gets two. Christian goes for 10 punches in the corner, but Edge fires out and hits a spear. A series of clotheslines followed by a face, face buster by Edge 
um, ends eventually with a series of reversals, which leads to Edge blocking the Unprettier and hitting the edge matic Edge climbs to the top of the cage with Christian in hot pursuit. Both guys are then balanced on the top rope and Edge gets crotched. Christian climbs over and begins to descend on the outside of the cage. Edge grabs Christian's legs and pulls his feet through the cage and ties them together with his wrist tape. Christian is then tied uh, with his legs through and tied on the inside of the cage and his body hanging down on the outside of the cage. So he's just left there hanging upside down. Edge takes advantage, climbing over, up and out of the cage to win the match. Rory, what do you make of this opener? Yeah, of the three pay-per-view matches, I think this might have been the one I enjoyed the most, rather perversely. I think it's because I've seen them now in a straight-up match environment at Unforgiven, which was kind of okay. And a ladder match at No Mercy, which I felt existed purely because somebody thought we needed to have a singles Edge and Christian ladder match at some point. So why not do it then? And then when you've already done the ladder match, then WWF Canon 2001 and the cage match is kind of the TV blow off these days for feud, isn't it? And this was on a rebellion pay-per-view. So do the math there, so to speak. But because my expectations going in were leavened slightly by the fact I didn't enjoy the previous two matches quite as much as I hoped, this one ticked up a bit. Edge cannot wrestle Christian forever was the real takeaway, though, I had from this match. And I think here, perhaps more, certainly than his singles match at Unforgiven, I think he knew it. And he was trying a few new things here himself because he knows that the company are behind him. It's going to be a long road. We're not going to be seeing him in main events for at least two years. But I think they're prepared to put in the hard yards for him. But he is well aware he's going to be working with a wide array of opponents. And he can't be in the ring with his best buddy who's going to do his best to get him over every week and month. So here, I just thought Edge was trying to up his game slightly. I'm not convinced that he is at the level he would want to be, let alone the company himself. But I think I could see the cogs ticking in his head that he's got to try to do this himself now and it isn't going to be given to him. And that's to his credit. I thought they were very nice to hear. It was a very quick 12 minutes. I've got to say they timed the tease of the escapes quite well as well. Enough to ratchet up the drama without going over the top, pun intended. And the finish was genuinely inventive, almost wasted on an event like this, dare I say. I did not see that one coming. The fact it was the face who got crotched, what turned out to be 30 seconds before the finish, was a bit of a turn up for the books. And for Edge and character to have the wherewithal just to use the tape like that and hold Christian to the cage to such a degree where he was just dangling down and watching his brother eventually come out victorious in a nice little callback in that regard, although the methods were different, to Bretton Owen at SummerSlam 94. I'm pretty sure that was intentional too. But yes, I really did enjoy this match. Time for Edge to move on to something else, and I'm fascinated to see what that will be now that he is safe with the company. (laughs) Spoiler alert, hint, hint, maybe not. As for Christian... I'm not so sure. I fear he's already veering towards the dreaded good hand alleyway. And that's a tough one to climb out of, cage or no cage. But a fine opener here, I thought, with good effort from both men, as it needed to be. Yeah, I thought this was solid, if a little unspectacular. That was probably elevated by quite a hot crowd. Um, I think uh, this was definitely had the feel of like maybe sort of like a, a marquee tv match or i say marquee how how often we get cage matches on tv you know like maybe we're a bit desensitized to that it's not that quite that marquee but it didn't really feel at first like a 
pay-per-view opener but i think by the end it did i liked i like the ending and completely with you um i thought it was genuinely inventive innovative and yeah almost wasted on a show like this and it wouldn't surprise me to see them pull this again sometime next year with two different guys or 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 something like that you know definitely come back to this finish with a wider audience um yeah the ending really helped out a lot i thought the work was was good um and edge took some really convincing bumps into the cage i liked the cage for what it's worth it was like the old school sort of black uh cage with like the thicker um sort of um poles i suppose um which which i think um obviously meant the finish was uh was an option <laughs> they meant that it meant that they could uh could actually execute that how how they did but um yeah nice little ending and worked much better than sort of like the odd generic ending you might get on a show like this um this had some genuine merit to it and i think this was a a a good opener for a hot crowd and uh, a nice way to kick off the show and uh i mean i was gonna say long may it continue but i'm looking at the (laughs) the next match and i i know it does not so there we we are sorry so next match uh we do have scotty too hotty taking on the hurricane um they work off a headlock to start and hurricane takes him down we get a wrist lock sequence before hurricane wins it with a clothesline we get some punches in the corner which scotty gets the better off until hurricane comes back with a cheap shot scotty skins the cat uh back in and slugs away he goes for the bulldog but hurricane tosses him into the post and hits a neck breaker it, it, hurricane goes for a nerve pinch but scotty fights free uh, and hits a hip block for two hurricane works the back gets a camel clutch Eventually, the cape is donned and Hurricane goes up top, but Scotty knocks him down and follows him up. He comes down, but takes a gut shot. Scotty gets a... uh, It takes a gut shot and uh, Scotty gets a DDT. Scotty also hits a reverse elbow and a super kick for two, but his back is too sore to hit the suplex. Hurricane decides to try his own version of the worm, but Scotty recovers. He blocks a chokeslam and avoids a splash. Hurricane avoids a charge and uh, rolls scotty up for two before scotty reverses the eye of the hurricane hits the bulldog which sets up the worm for the win just before the nine minutes mark uk pay-per-view rory uk pay-per-view <laughs> uk pay-per-view christopher uk pay-per-view yeah uh did you use the word marquee just a couple of minutes ago and <laughs> you dropped that in <laughs> while you could i was yeah <laughs> Not going to be wearing that one out before the end of the show, I don't think. I mean, what can you possibly say about a seven-minute Hurricane versus Scotty Too Hotty match? Probably more to the point is, what do our listeners want us to say about a seven-minute Scotty Too Hotty versus the Hurricane match? You, know, you can tell already I'm filling for time on this one, can't you? And it was there, and people quite like the worm. And I do think the Hurricane, that sort of gimmick is taking place in the right crucible for it to get over enough for owner of said crucible to keep <laughs> allowing said hurricane to spin just to stretch a few metaphors there otherwise i'm even i am struggling on this one christopher and myself when a loss for words do not normally make easy bedfellows on these podcasts but i think i might need to throw back to you pretty damn sharpish on this one well i just mean 
I just it was a perfectly acceptable match on any house show or episode. <laughs> Say no more. Yeah. Um. I, I, I nothing went horribly wrong. They didn't try anything that was stupid. It was kind of there. And it was on a UK pay-per-view. Um, there are aspects of this show that at times I thought this could have been a proper pay-per-view. And then this aspects like this, I was like, if this was on like, I don't know, if it, like if, if this was on Survivor Series, I would be like, what the fuck is going on? So um, it's, yeah, not offensive, not terrible, but just, yeah, uh, not pay-per-view caliber, shall we say, is the most polite way of putting it. But um, yeah, not not egregiously bad, which makes me swiftly want to move on to our no, next. You've, match. you've seen the next match again. You're not planning this very well, Chris. Today, the, the, the next match. Your segways need some work. No, um, <laughs> because moving on, and we do have the big show, uh, fan favourite of of mine, and uh, taking on <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page. Deep breaths, everyone. So uh, to get started, Show tosses him around and hammers away in the corner. DDP tries a headlock and gets sent to the floor. Page goes for a knee, uh, heads up top for a flying clothesline. He goes for a figure four, which Big Show blocks. He looks at the choke slam, but that's block two. And Page hits a diamond cutter out of nowhere, which eventually gets two after a delayed pin. Big, Show's, Big Show gets up, hits the choke slam, and gets the pin after three short, merciful minutes. Rory. Sadly, Chris, I do have something to say about this one. Well, I'm sure you're disappointed. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. It's not really about the match, though, because come on, cut me some slack. This is going to make me rather unpopular in the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast fraternity, if if, if I'm not already. And it's going to be Chris Lacey who's really going to be giving me the side eye after this one. But I don't mind this iteration of the DDP character. It is grounded in reality a motivational speaker who is very heavy on the latter to the point where he's probably very light on the former. Not that I'm casting aspersions on Paige Falkenberg's actual aptitude for such a thing, but the character here turned up to 11 and all of that. Maybe you think he's not really being entirely successful. That's the gag. And I think it works. The problem is though, the man is stone fucking dead after what's happened to him the previous three months. Now, this is pure Weekend at Bernie stuff here. The corpse is barely animated. Why didn't they bring him in like this? This could have run for three or four months now. They had such a great idea for how to bring him in instead. You mean they should have not done any of that stuff? Let's just save that one for the end of year award show, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Have I got some things to say about that one that might well get me back in Lacey's good graces? But otherwise, this is a potentially bankable, to a degree, gimmick that's not too little, but definitely too late. And then we had a three-minute match where the Big Show hit him with a choke slam. The end. Yeah, I mean, I, I, what what more is there to say about a Big Show match? that goes three minutes it was boring and you but like i kind of like i mean this ddp has so much more going for it than uh previous months of ddp mm-hmm. how he came into the fed but i think when the diamond cutter's getting you two in a in a three minute squash um i don't know it's i don't, I don't have 
I have almost zero hope that this is going to go anywhere for him. You know, like I feel like he's he's just he's done, right? Like, oh, he's finished. He 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 is finished. He's riding it out now, and we don't have an award for worst business decision of the year, but. <laughs> DDP buying himself out of his contract in May 2001 would probably score quite high if we did. Let's just say that. Buyer's remorse, I think, is a pretty sound <laughs> expression here. Now, I haven't uh, transcribed notes on all or many of the uh, coming uh, backstage comings and goings throughout the show, as we had a few maybe throughout, scattered throughout the night. But this one here I made note of just because it's... I mean, if you've listened to this show this year, you'll probably be sick of Austin praise. But there was just some the delivery of a line in this one that I'm going to butcher um, that I thought was just so brilliant that I wanted to sort of pay attention to it here. So somewhere in the back, Kurt Angle was irritating the rest of the alliance by comparing them to the Knights of the Round Table. <laughs> and uh, the, the delivery of this following dialogue is just perfect from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Angle says, since we have good nights, we need some bad nights. And Austin says, I'm having a bad night right now. <laughs> Perfect. It's just, it's just untouchable at the moment. Yep. Or at least he was at the, the time of this show. No. Listen to my <laughs> thoughts on shows two or three, how disappointed I am that we won't be getting any more of this probably ever. But just pure gold. Just to sit, That's not when you look at it on paper, that line, it's not pant pissingly funny necessarily no. but he makes it work like nobody else it's just and people saying this man should never be a heel i just <clears throat> what further proof do you need fantastic delivery so our next contest has the dudley boys defending their wcw tag team titles against two wwf teams the apa and the hardys now, if you think that this means that we're going to get the two WWF teams working together, then you are a fool. <laughs> all hell breaks loose early on as uh, all teams are involved in the action. Again, the APA started out of the match. Uh, this is elimination, I should say. So I don't know what the incentive is for tagging yourself in, but nonetheless, they did. And they paid the price for it uh, quite quickly. Uh, the Dudleys hit... Uh, Farouk with a 3D. Bradshaw comes into his partner's aid and takes out Bubba with a clothesline from hell. Uh, Matt Hardy quickly enters the ring, hits Farouk with the twist of fate and eliminates the APA within five minutes. I'm not really sure why they were there. From this point, we get a typical Dudley's v Hardy's match. And I mean, your opinion on, on probably the quality of it will largely depend on how burnt out you are by it, I suppose. Devon gets a table, but Jeff drop kicks it back into his face. Bubba gives him a power bomb as Jeff plays a very good face in peril. Bubba ties him into the tree of row as the Dudleys continue to work him over. Bubba goes up, but Jeff recovers and hits a low blow. Matt gets the hot tag and cleans house, but Devon avoids the swanton and the Duddies finish Matt with a 3D at the 12 minutes mark. Rory. Yeah, not that I want to half arse it on this show or anything, because we are talking about a UK pay-per-view here after all. But if you want to hear my opinions on the Dudleys versus the Hardys one more time, because oh, why wouldn't you? Maybe wait a week or so until the other show is out. Otherwise, this was a serviceable three-way tag team match. The APA's non-logic would annoy me if it wasn't being applied by the APA. I'm able to blank it out because my opinions of them are also 
pretty well documented. And if you don't already know what they are, I'm sure you can guess and you would be correct. But this was another purpose serving match, really. And these three teams, whether I like it or not, they do all work well together. And the APA are good smashing fodder. I do wonder if one of their number, at least, would probably like to be seen as more than that. But I will cheerfully tell him he isn't. He should know his role because he does do it very well, must be said. And that's the ending we got. Um, it's one of those where if the Duddies didn't have, I, I'm still admit getting lose, losing track here. I'll talk about this in a couple of weeks time as well. But it's for WCW tag team titles that this match was for. That is correct, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. WCW. Okay, you see, it, it just you. you sh- I should know that now I should I should know what belts are being fought for at any given time especially in the tag teams for goodness sake but they swap places so many times to already become less than meaningless which is another problem which we'll build on but all that said I thought this might have been the place for the Hardys to get a win I don't think the Dudleys needed to come out of this as still the WCW tag team titles for the reasons I have just illustrated. They change hands every Raw and SmackDown as it is. So maybe get a big baby face win in the middle of a card for an undoubtedly popular tag team who I would pretty safely say were one of the groups of people who the fans were most excited about seeing over here at the time. The connection that the Hardys and Lita have with certain sections of fans. And there were many of those in attendance here in Manchester. I think that would have been a bone they would have deserved having thrown their way. Otherwise, pretty rote stuff, but you can't really dislike it other than the familiarity of the combinations involved. And we all know what familiarity breeds. Yeah, I do wonder if the APA's inclusion was just largely an effort to make it a different match to the match that was going to take place at Survivor Series. And that's as simple <laughs> it as that. It didn't quite work, but that, that's probably true. Yeah, I, they, I, I will give them that. They realise that they're doing this again, 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 again in two weeks' time. I, I think Jeff Hardy like probably was like, I, I was going to say the star of the match. Maybe it's a bit too far in praise, but maybe this match is MVP. Um, the finish felt a little bit out of nowhere and it did feel by the end with that finish like just a raw match you know rather than a title match and pay-per-view and I, I think that would have been massively helped by your suggestion on having the the results switched you know and like the time as you said that this and let me make this clear it's no fault of your own that we're not quite sure who has what title at any given time <laughs> i feel very much, slightly better now slightly better yeah, that is very much the 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 way that everyone is based on how things have been booked over the the last few months and we know now that they're going to head to this unification match at uh, survivor series so like one team is going to have one of the titles anyway so like you can just do a change here and then between now and survivor series have the dudleys either win it back or pick up the wwf belts like from whoever has them at any given moment, <laughs> any given week, like it would have been a very easy way to Im- improve this match and give the crowd something uh, big, like that felt big after a couple of dud matches in a row um, before we get into the sort of like more marquee contests of the evening later. Yeah, When but... you look at the other title matches on this card, there were four. Was looking at the this is the only one you could have justifiably done a yeah. title change, I think, which would be all the more reason to do it. Yeah, 
and uh, and I mean the fact it hasn't happened when there are so many changes to these titles, um, and it would have been entirely of no consequence, probably just speaks volumes about the amount of care and and thought that goes into these UK pay per views. You know they are effectively glorified house shows. Um, they 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 throw on um, maybe a bigger pay per view style main event. Um, occasionally and apart from that why are they any different to your your typical house show you know um and and probably that is kind of like the the outcome of that they don't they would not go out of their way to put a title change to book a title change on this show for this crowd on this night next up we have the alliance's william regal taking on tajiri uh, before the match, Regal cuts a promo on the UK crowd, claiming to be everyone's role model and someone that the English people can be proud of. Who wouldn't be proud of someone who's uh, well known for being a voluntary member of the Kiss My Ass Club? It seems to have worked, though, as the uh, crowd begins a chorus of boos for Regal. Regal tries to out-wrestle Tajiri early, but Tajiri hits a, a nice-looking uh, kick. He hits an enziguri to the floor, uh, but is thrown into the post. Back inside, uh, Regal takes over and hits a knee uh, to the head. Regal catches Tajiri with a crossbody and crotches him. Tajiri goes over the top and hits Regal with a roundhouse kick um, before a handspring elbow sets up the tarantula. Uh, Tajiri goes up but misses with a moonsault. Uh, that sets up the Regal stretch. Uh, for for the, that yeah that sets up the regal stretch for the win just after the five minute mark and that's that another imagine the books on this uk pay-per-view rory this one did at least have regal talking about doll money in his pre-match promo so it had that going for it do you wonder how that one went over in wwf new york but it hit home with the audience that's the audience in attendance that's all i'm gonna say about that this was decent this is the kind of sprint type match on these pay-per-views that i can go for i think it got both people over they packed a ton into these six minutes and we talk about regal as a worker that his style is so unique that he struggles to have any chemistry with people you'd expect him to i think with tajiri he's really got it nobody bounces off anybody in the wwf like tajiri tajiri does and it sounds like i'm damning him with faint praise when i say that and i'm really not trying to he's in the right place for the methods that he employs as a babyface in the lower mid card. He's there to be a punching bag, basically. And he does it exceptionally well. And it makes his flurry of offenses all the easier to get behind because he's somebody you can root for whilst knowing that he's never, ever, for sadly very obvious reasons, in the eyes of many, get ever beyond that lower mid card centre mid card if he's lucky position but I think he's enjoying it and he's somebody else who the fans clearly love seeing I think Regal probably gets a, a kick of him being somebody who seems to enjoy being duffed up by him so no harm done here at all we get it again in a couple of weeks time in an even shorter form but of the two I'd say if there's one you especially want to check out I think I'd make it this yeah, I think this match was better than expected, considering the time they had and how the the rest of the night had gone, bar the opener. Um, 
contrasting styles is interesting. Tajiri's offense is exciting. Good promo from Regal to start. Kind of like you, you, we got more than the sum of its parts here, and probably they is a credit to both guys that they delivered something in five minutes that exceeded what sort of the care and effort that had maybe gone into throwing this card together. You know, um, yeah, positive match. I should say afterwards, Tajiri gets a little revenge by. Uh, Hitting Regal with the mist after the match, um, which is just a, a nice thing for the crowd to to pop for. Um, so this is the type of match that is far more beneficial to a card and my overall enjoyment of it than maybe the second and third matches on the show. Um, definitely uh, one in the sort of thumbs up column for me. Although it is quite telling that this is a match they did not mind giving us once again, just two weeks down the line. (laughs) Very true. Next up, we have WCW champion Chris Jericho defending his title against Kurt Angle. Uh, They fight over a takedown to start as they pound away on each other. Jericho gets an elbow and a leg lariat and takes over. He hits some rolling vertical suplexes, which gets two before Angle comes back with a German. Jericho blocks an angle slam attempt and goes for the walls, but Angle makes the ropes. Jericho hits a drop kick off the apron and they brawl outside where Angle goes into the post. He recovers and uh, punches way on Jericho, but is tossed into the stairs. Back inside, Jericho goes up top with a body press for two. Angle hits the ankle. Uh, angle goes for the ankle lock, but Jericho kicks him away and posts him. Jericho uh, keeps on the arm and chops away, and Angle hot shots him. A belly-to-belly and Angle stumps away in the corner before Jericho comes back but gets caught in a Boston Crab, which he fights out of. He goes up top but lands into a belly-for-belly for for two. Angle clotheslines him and then hits a suplex for another two count. Uh, We get to a chin lock, which Jericho eventually powers out of but gets taken down before Angle works the knee. Jericho roll-up gets two before he hits an enziguri and fights back with a forearm and a neckbreaker. Angle goes for a suplex, which is reversed into an ankle lock by Jericho, but Angle quickly makes the ropes. Angle tries to come back, but gets chopped, so he opts for some more rolling Germans and gets a two count. This time, Angle goes for the ankle lock, but Jericho again reverses into the walls, which Angle makes the ropes again. Uh, The referee then messes uh, messes with Jericho, but he's able to hit a bulldog. He goes for the lion salt, but hits the knees. Angle goes for the angle slam, but it's reversed into a roll-up, and that gets the clean pin for Jericho just after the 14-minute mark. Rory, your thoughts on the WCW title match? Definitely a bit more like it here. I think we can all agree. This was two guys who have had some fine matches with each other over the last 18 months or so, clocking on for another day at the office, but still wanting to make sure they're being noticed by the big wigs. You know, you never know when a promotion could be around the corner and you've been getting that email on Friday morning sent to the whole company that you can feel very smug about when you pretend you're reading it for the first time. Oh, look at this. Look who's got a promotion. We've all been there, or at least we all like to think we've been there. And I think it's credit to both of these guys that they gave pretty close to 100% effort here. I think the issue, however, was with the layout of the match. I don't know this for certain, but... I get the impression that whoever was agenting this one might have told them just to ease back a little bit. So although they were trying in this one and they were not even close to dogging it or phoning it in or 
any of those overly well-worn expressions on these podcasts. The match structure was not a grade level. There were definitely parts missing from this match. It felt like, I'm just looking at the wall in front of me now, I had a storyboard and I can see various two-minute blocks of the match and it's all well and good there, but there's nothing interconnecting slide one to two, slide two to three, slide three to four. So the big moments they managed to hit and hit very well, but there clearly wasn't enough welding them together to make this a genuine top-class match. But it was still very, very good. There's no way with these two against each other that it could be anything. But I thought the finish was the right way out. Jericho needed to win this one, and they're not going to do a title change here. But a sudden roll-up, if you have to beat Angle via a pinfall two days after return to heel or whatever it is, then a swift roll-up is the way to do it. I didn't feel shortchanged by that finish in any way. I don't think this one needed to be him tapping out to the walls or anything like that. It wasn't even an especially screwy finish with Jericho getting the better of Angle. He just managed to beat somebody who happens to be a heel with a roll-up. And I really like that. They didn't overthink the finish. They probably saved that for about half an hour down the line. But what we got here was more than solid. The right level of quality match for a UK pay-per-view, I think, where you're getting the names, you're getting the big moments, you're getting the clean finish, you're not getting all the other stuff, which is a wrestling fan. You demand slash expect depending on what side of the divide you happen to be on and i know we have all kinds of those listening to this show but fine stuff here i'm not going to ask for any more in this environment if it had taken place elsewhere i probably would but i think we know the trade-off i wouldn't call this match top notch but i i think i was slightly higher on it than you I, i i think it was a really good competitive wrestling match Uh, Loads of momentum shifts, went back and forth a lot, some good innovative counters in there, Um, and devoid of like stupidity and shenanigans and interference, mostly. Refreshing. Yeah. Surprising and refreshing. I I think maybe on this show, like six matches in, um, I I, I kind of felt like this is what I needed. Um, I I did enjoy it. I definitely wouldn't say this is like a. Uh, like it's not like a four and a half star match you know or anything like that it's just a very good competitive wrestling match with with a with the right finish you know um wouldn't (laughs) no matter what show this was on it wouldn't be cracking any lists for match of the year contender or anything like that um but i think in in a different context on a different night these two could probably give you a match that would be that caliber but I think in the context of this show and, and what had come before it, I think this is kind of spot on, really. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of it. And, and like you said, the the finish was the right one. You can't do the title change. You don't want to uh, be angled too decisively so soon after the turn. And um, yeah, I think it all came together quite well. Um, and it's the type of win, quite frankly, that... Jericho maybe hasn't had enough of in his time in the WWF um, when when push comes to shove, you know, which is probably one of the reasons he's he's kind of on this rung of the of the totem pole rather than on on the higher one, you know. Um, 
But yeah, I, I thought this was really quite good. I think we should call that progress where we see it as well. It wasn't so long ago where Angle was only given six minutes to wrestle Chris Benoit on a UK pay-per-view. That was only last year. And now he's getting 15 minutes against another top-notch worker, given opportunities to show a new audience what they can do, albeit pared down from where I would really like them to be. But we're definitely moving in the right direction. And I hope for the UK pay-per-views going forward, this type of thing is the blueprint. So next up, we have uh, Molly and Stacey Keebler taking on the team of Lita and Tori Wilson with Trish as the special guest referee. Tori and Stacey start with some uh, gymnastics that follow. Uh, Tori gets two with a roll-up. Lita comes in, hits a slam for two. She charges and runs into a boot but no sells before hitting a uh, backdrop suplex as her and Tori uh, double-team Stacey. Molly then comes in and uh, attacks Tori. Stacy comes back and does some choking before Molly gets a suplex, which gets two. Backbreaker and Molly goes up, but misses with a Molly go round. We get the hot tag to Lita, who hits her head, scissors to Molly. She tries a poetry in motion, but Molly blocks it. The heels collide, so we get the twist of fate, which finishes Molly off after just four minutes. Rory, what did you make of this? If you listened to our No Mercy show, as I'm sure you all did, you will know that there are certain quarters of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast staff who really do quite appreciate this type of match with these type of people. Do go back. If you haven't, then I'll just say listener discretion is advised. For my, however, you're going to get a slightly different take. And that is, I just think this is a senseless fucking waste. <laughs> just looking at the names involved here, and that includes Trish as a special guest referee. Can we put, I'm going to be a killjoy here. I'm sorry. You know, I'm taking things far too seriously. Pro wrestling, I know. But there are people here I want to succeed. All of them, to various degrees, to be honest with you. And these shows are the perfect opportunities to give Lita and, say, Molly, for example. You can even still have Trish there as the guest referee if you want, because I don't, she, she was entirely fully fit at this point. But give them 10 solid minutes and see what they can do. If it turns out that those 10 minutes are too much for them at this point, then don't worry. Row back, go back to the blackboard, stick your two columns in, what worked, what didn't, and focus on those two things. Use the opportunity you've got here. But cheap titillation on a Saturday night in Manchester. Not something I know anything about. <laughs> I go to university in Leeds, you know. So, but <laughs> but I, they don't want to make the attempt, which is doubly frustrating because we've talked about it a lot for the last year, Chris. That there could be something here if they wanted there to be, and I do think the talent involved do want there to be, but somebody else doesn't seem to want there to be, and that's a case of never the twain shall meet. Yeah, I, I mean, I this wasn't kind of like the, I don't know, this wasn't the 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 TNA nonsense that so no, many that's women's. True. There's, there's, there was a semblance of a wrestling match here to be charitable, yes. And I think it, having, it was a move on from next from last month. I've got to say that. Yes, and I think having Lita or Molly be in for the majority of the match was probably a smart choice, but Stacey and Tori were were just in just too much at times um if you'd have 
given them more time and had Lita and Molly, rather than Mita, uh, have more spots sort of involved with each other and more extended ring time against each other, I think we could have had something very good between the two of them. Um, I, we've we've made some progress, um, but we're not we're not there. This this was not good, and I do think you're right. This is the type of show where if you're not going to give them a chance here, then where where are you going to? Um, and I I don't know. It's, it it wasn't a good match. It could have been better. Um, and there's easy changes you could make to make it better by having it be that singles match like you described. You can keep Trish there, and you can even have um, you can even have Stacey and Tori sort of on the outside for 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 both, and just have them do like one thing each or something yeah. like that, you know. Um, and and just give them a bit more time. Like Lita's proved, and Lita and Molly have both proved that they they deserve trust and faith um, at the very least. So yeah, I I, I would like to see that happen i don't know if we ever will quite frankly um it, i think stuff where things regress and and we divulge back to how things were at no mercy you know maybe more common and, but but even then i feel like i was scarred by the only women's wrestling for for a long time was like i don't know like the stupid may young stuff we used to have and, and stuff like that, and and like, uh, and I do think there's been a lot of progress since then. I'd just like to see a bit more, and I think you've got the talent there that that could could give you more if you if you allowed them the opportunity. Yeah, they haven't quite done enough to banish the ghosts of that Survivor Series '99 match with you yet, have they, Christopher? Definitely it's not. It's still there. It's that perma presence on your shoulder. And and I'm a fair guy. Like you can you you <laughs> you you. you, you my my relationship with the the tag division over the last few years shows that if if you make changes and and you improve things then i will give you credit for that and so they've not won me over yet but like it, i'm there to be won you know convince me and i'm i'm there for the ride but unfortunately we're not quite there yet And finally, it is time for our main event of the evening, uh, with The Rock attempting to get revenge on Stone Cold Steve Austin for WrestleMania 17, defeating him for the WWF Championship. We're underway, and Austin attacks from behind and chops away, but Rock returns fire. Rock hits a lariat out of the corner and a neckbreaker, which sends Austin sprawling. Rock looks for the rock bottom, but Austin blocks and he bails to the outside. The brawl is on. The brawl is on around ringside. We head up the ramp with some more chopping. Rock hits a suplex on the entranceway. Austin looks for a pile driver there, but Rock is able to reverse out of it. We head back to ringside where Rock gets another clothesline and falls victim of a catapult into the post. Austin slams him on the floor and works the neck before we head back inside. Austin stomps away, chokes him out and hits a clothesline, but Rock rolls him up for two. Austin gets a lariat to send him down again for another two count. Austin throws him again and they head over to the announce table, but Rock goes low. They exchange chops and Austin drops him on the table before we head back inside. Austin goes over the in- goes after the injured knee. Austin clips him viciously. Uh, and heads out to go have some back and forth with a few fans before heading back inside. Rock tries to come 
come back. He hits a fresh press and Austin's elbow, which gets two. Austin then comes back and tries a sleeper. And uh, this goes on a while as things look quite bleak for The Rock. Eventually, of course, he revives and it triggers a back and forth slugfest before The Rock locks on his own sleeper. Austin reverses with a jaw breaker and hits a spine buster, which gets two. Austin then goes for Boston Crab, but Rock makes the ropes. Rock fights back and we have a double down. Rock fights back and this time gets a clothesline and hits a belly to belly for two. The ref gets bumped as the Rock reverses a stunner and then hits a spine buster and looks for the sharpshooter. Austin reverses and gets his own version of the move on before the Rock reverses back and has his own version back locked in. At this point, Kurt Angle runs down and hits the Rock in the head with a chair. Jericho runs in to make the save, steals the chair from Angle and nails him with it. Rock is up. He looks at Jericho holding the chair and think he thinks he's the one that hit him, which triggers a brawl between the two of them. Austin tries to sneak him with the stunner, but Rock turns it into the rock bottom. Still no ref. Oh, the rock. Where the smack down. Up her angle. Angle up and over. And now Austin's back up. My God, it's like a handicap match. For the rock. The reversal by the rock. That's right. Angle's down. Jericho's down. The referee is moving. And here comes a bunch of electrifying moves. It's Kurt's entertainment. The Rock is just seemingly moments, moments away from regaining the WWF title. Angle! Angle! Angle off her angle. Let's hit the Rock with a title belt. No! Stunner! 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 Austin just stunned the Rock and looked out of his boots. No! No, no, no! No! Angle goes after Rocks again, but gets knocked to the floor. That sets up a spine buster and a people's elbow. But Angle trips him up as he runs to the rope and hits him with the belt. Austin then gets the stunner. One, two, three. And we're out just after the 22 minutes mark. Rory, your thoughts on the main event? Okay, I have no doubt at all that when this event was first announced back in May, I think it was, a lot of the fans who scooped up tickets in hope rather than expectation, would have said to themselves, hey, maybe we'll get Rock Austin as the main event here. Probably not really thinking it was going to happen. And then my copy of the PW Torch landed on my doorstep in the middle of October and it talked about this event. And I said the main event was sure enough going to be Steve Austin defending the WWF title against The Rock. I was delighted to see that on the, for the benefits of the fans attending and myself purchasing it on Sky Box Office. However, I'm going to get my howevers out of the way early here because I did like this a lot. It did then confirm to me that this was not going to be the main event of Survivor Series, that if you're going to tell that story, it really should have been. But I'll hold off on that a bit more for our next show in a week or so's time. My, my standards of journalistic integrity that you've all come to know and love over the last six years, they're going to go out of the window when these two fight each other. I'm going to give these two Far more leeway than I normally would most other competitors. Maybe give or take Kurt Angle. A main event in November 2001, which is built around punches and kicks, I am normally going to be very, very harsh on. There have been a few in 2001, and you know who they involved, which have landed on that territory. You all know what my thoughts were here. 
But these two just make it work because that kind of method of very, very basic pro wrestling. It's tailor made for them. And why change it? The crowd were in a frenzy when they just exchanged punches right at the start. As they were in Houston seven months before. You know what? This is what these guys do. They do it better than anybody else. Let them go ahead. And I'm going to be there and everybody else will be as well. Much like the Angle Jericho match, this didn't have the interconnected parts, but it didn't really need them. Just The Rock and Austin fighting each other on a big stage. Yeah, I said it. At a pay-per-view main event. At this point, that was sufficient for me. And the quality, or the lack thereof, mileage may vary, of what we got here never really factored in when I was watching it. I was locked in. I paid this so much attention. I can guarantee you now, more than I have any other UK pay-per-view main event since one night only. (laughs) We all know how that one turned out. So you can see why I was burnt four years ago. But they brought it in this one. They really did. And of course the crowd were going to be with them. I don't think it mattered here really that Austin wasn't getting outrageous levels of heat. Again, I'll have a lot to say about that in due course. Here it's okay. Here I understand it because he's going to work this way with The Rock. He's not going to get down and dirty with them on the mat. They're just going to scrap each other in the ring by the announced tables. All of that's going to happen. That's what everybody wants. That's what everybody got. And now another, however, I'm afraid. Bringing Jericho in, they probably needed to do. And I'm glad they kept the Jericho Rock story ticking over. And it led to an excellent match where The Rock won the WCW title back on Raw a couple of days afterwards. The interference was a little messy. I can never really buy the old somebody is left holding the bag on the turnaround. I, it, I just think it's the sort of thing that could be explained away by just a simple ask. And was that you? No. OK, fair enough. Yeah. The baby face for it is always they always assumes the worst in that situation. And it never quite works for me. The timing was a little off, but they did get away with it. So that's fine. And you need to involve Angle in the finish as well. I understand that. That one felt a little bit by the yard to me, just in running in with the shot and then pissing off again, especially as, and we'll talk about this at great length, a couple of weeks later, we got something very, very similar, albeit in different circumstances. But I was expecting Jericho's involvement. I was expecting Angle's involvement, but they didn't really mesh into the finish necessarily. Does annoy me a bit, but again, not that much. Not a vintage outing for these two. Absolutely not. Not their finest. Certainly not their finest this year, said he needlessly. But I commend the WWF for giving the UK fans this level of main event on their pay-per-view. And I certainly commend the two guys involved for bringing what was very, very close to their best efforts. It's Austin and Rock. And really, knowing where this is going now, Austin v Rock in any form is enough. Yeah, this is not on the level of their their best, but it's still great um, because it's The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in front of a crowd that is just so up for this. Um, and it, I think the crowd and both the performance of both felt like 
made it made this feel like it was a major match and made it feel like it was a big deal far more than anything else on this show and that's really all you can ask for when you've got a show like this that is the and no disrespect or <coughs> disservice to any of the guys and girls earlier on the card but this is this is a one match show if i've ever seen one and um they they delivered i mean it's not it's not wrestlemania but this this show isn't wrestlemania and they had a really great fun brawl that again not quite as good as their other matches but i think their match at wrestlemania was one of the best matches i've ever seen in my life so when this isn't wrestlemania and when this is rebellion on a not proper pay-per-view in the uk um or even a even even not even a big four pay-per-view or not even a proper pay-per-view um and I, I think maybe in the in the final third it lacked some of the urgency and and dramatic near falls that made some of their earlier matches so special but i th- i think they kind of yeah the the end lost it a bit for me and i think that's where it struggled because up until then they they had delivered what everything that i'd hoped this match would be um and then the the finish was a tad overbooked and convoluted i don't think you needed the stuff with jericho i think you could have just done a quick angle run in with a belt shot you know you don't you don't it was it was too much the the ref was down for too long um and I think it got just a tad messy and that's where this match really revealed itself as <laughs> as taking place on this show and and not from like a, a different pay-per-view you know um it, it just felt very house show that finish um but like if you're going to watch austin rock at a house show it's still going to be brilliant so i my my complaints are minor i think they more than delivered the probably one of the best matches and best main events that we've had on one of these UK pay-per-views and I'd have to go back and look through them all to verify that but my gut is that there can't have been many better than this yeah, I think uh, so yeah I mean Bulldog Sean was a hell of a match but yes. that ending is going to haul it down quite a lot so I think this might take those esteemed honours yeah and, and and I mean even even like I, I, SummerSlam 92 is is like, yeah, I suppose we probably can include SummerSlam '92 well, as a UK pay per view. I was going to say it feels, <laughs> it feels diff like that. That feels like I, I sh- we shouldn't include it in that different it, world. It, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, this this come was a long a, way since then. This was a UK pay per view in the sense that they they are UK own like only. I know this one was in WWF New York, but yeah, this is they're their own thing they're they're not always canon (laughs) they're not always they don't always count um and when those are the stakes i don't know how you could have many matches better than this um it's a a a good couple of notches below what you're going to see in the main event of wrestlemania but look at what we're comparing here (laughs) like (laughs) what what else what else do you expect um yeah and the crowd were were so into this um and i think that gave gave it maybe a couple of notches as well and uh it's just two of the best we've ever covered on this podcast doing it 
to their very best of their abilities and yeah full of praise for both guys and and for the match and with that i think that brings us to the end of our review of rebellion 2001 so rory throwing to you for your overall thoughts on this show and a score rating out of 10 yeah almost by accident perhaps but this was probably the most complete of the uk only pay-per-views since one night only you had big people involved doing relatively important things it played into existing storylines to the point where a lot of this was actually shown on raw the next week and how often can we say that everybody turned up the match layout people might have given themselves a bit of a day off but the talent did their thing from top to bottom whatever you think of the matches big show ddp aside so i'm going to give this one a weighted six and a half because the main event is something you probably should check out because austin rock how many more times do i need to say it wcw title match more than past muster as well and there's nothing bad on the card other than the obvious everybody did what was asked of them let's let's be nice shall we so six and a half out of ten it's a uk pay-per-view but it's a uk <laughs> pay-per-view with steve austin against the rock on it there yeah i go. think i think that's you've summed it up quite succinctly there like it, it is a uk pay-per-view but i think scattered throughout we have a few good matches in there i really liked the cage ma- cage match um i liked uh jericho and angle quite a lot and i thought the main event was great so i think i was torn between sort of a six and a seven and i don't want to just seem like i'm just outright agreeing with your score but i think six and a half is perfectly fine i think we have to we have to grade these on a different scale to almost to what we would normally and if this was a full-fledged if this was the survivor series card i would be a bit confused (laughs) you know um but you know they thought about it (laughs) but but it wasn't it was it was one of these sort of glorified house shows and for two two and a half hours i was entertained you know there's some low points but they're 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 brisk and i think the high points are really good so six and a half sounds fair to me so we come out of the time machine and we are back in november 2021 but just before we wrap up a couple of personal stories about the event we've just talked about in the timeline i actually attempted to get tickets for this one i did mention during the show but i was at university in leeds at the time but the tickets were snapped up very very quickly so i spent my saturday night in november in leeds yeah i'll leave that one hanging in the air but one of our number was able to attend is that not right mr chris white that is that is correct yeah i i was uh in attendance of this show um i think it was my second ever wwf show i can't remember what would have been the first um probably one in 2000 maybe um but i think i went to one in london as a kid and i grew up in in london so um one in London and then uh, I would have been eight years old at the time of Rebellion and um, it obviously is in Manchester so for our US um, 
audience obviously the, the the kind of journey we're talking about is is quite minor i suppose but but <laughs> for, for eight-year-old me it felt like a, a full-blown holiday you know I, I remember getting the train up to manchester with my dad um and we we uh we went up and um rebellion in manchester and yeah so i at the time well, I, my favourite wrestler in the, in the world was The Rock, and my dad was a fully-fledged Stone Cold Steve Austin guy. So, as you can imagine, we were quite excited about this main event, and I was quite distraught at the outcome. And I was fuming with Kurt Angle, let me tell you. The heat he got from me that night was off the charts. <laughs> that um, explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I, yeah, I don't have really detailed memories about a lot of it i remember the cage match taking place but almost no detail and to be honest without re-watching it it would have been a struggle to tell you who had the cage match all i could remember that there was a cage match and i liked it um and i said to rory before we were taping the fact that they opened the show probably explains why it's sort of like etched in my memory as something that i loved because i was probably like as a kid in in awe of like seeing the wrestling that i loved watching on tv so much right in front of me um and we had quite good seats as well we were, we were floor kind of like opposite the the stage so like behind where the announcers would be um which meant i didn't always have the best view but i think just the atmosphere of it and all that was just like off the charts uh for, for, for eight-year-old me um i remember the main event really well i can remember the finish really well like seeing it happen and being gutted um, and then after the show, because um, I remember at the time, it just me and my dad had gone up and my mum had, I think she'd bought the show on Skybox office and, and taped it on a VHS. So I'd be able to watch it back um, when when we returned home. And um, I remember my dad calling her from the ho- uh, 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 calling her from the arena afterwards and saying, is the show still on? tv and she was like no because after the pay-per-view had gone off the air everyone had gone to the back and austin and the rock both came out together and sung karaoke and ah so that's where they got it from and i remember like being blown away that these two guys have just had a match were just like singing karaoke and drinking beer together and like eight-year-old me had like i don't know i i mean i'd love to interview eight-year-old me and know if i thought it was real you know or not at the time i probably did to a degree i I have no idea but my mind was completely blown that this was happening and I remember it's just like, yeah, that night um, I just have such fond memories of as like one of the best nights of my childhood, really. So for years um, <laughs> involved in this podcast, I kind of had this I've, I, and I've, I've not really ever gone back and rewatched it. I think I've rewatched the main event um, like on, on the network, but I had not gone back and watched the whole show start to finish. And I was kind of really looking forward to it. And I said to Rory before, it was kind of a bit disappointing in a way, because like it's like such a cherished childhood memory. Um, you go back and watch it and you're like, oh, man, it was just a show. <laughs> it was just a show. But it doesn't really um, taint any of those memories. They're, they're, they're kind of like um, stand out as like big moments in my childhood, which is which is surreal to say, because it was just like a it was just a wrestling pay-per-view. But I can remember so many things of it vividly, probably a lot more than anything else out of my eighth year. So 
yeah, just a few short, short, whimsical <laughs> uh, tales there from what was quite a, a, a I think a a big night in my wrestling fandom as a, as a kid growing up. Um, I can't remember. The only show, I mean, so it must have really stood out to me that I can remember by by like name and date going to see was Rebellion 2001. But there were there were three of these UK pay-per-views I went to. And the only one that I'm like, oh, yeah, that was Rebellion 2001 is is this. Um, there was an insurrection I went to, but I couldn't for the life of you tell you what year or or anything like that. And I think there was one more, but that may have even just been a house show that I wouldn't have really known the difference at the time. Um, but yeah, this was a, a date I'd marked on the wrestling 20 years ago to calendar for a few years now was a show that I wanted to go and rewatch and review. It's had some mixed results, but um, it was fun to look back at that time and, and kind of remember a few bits about that trip um, quite fondly. Rightly so. I'm very glad you've shared those stories with us, Chris. You got your own version of the curtain call then. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, honestly, <laughs> like, I, I don't think I like, but it was they were they were like in there together, like arms around each other singing. And like, I just I, I remember being like blown wow. away Um, and like beers were flowing. Well, not with me in the ring. And and. It, yeah, I, and I, I just remember it being like quite a. I, I just have this, this like that the memory of you know you, like sometimes I feel like you get like a moment and your brain just takes like a an imprint of it and you're like oh yeah yes. that that single image I'll remember that forever and and like normally it's quite like personal things, um or or often it can be something sport related or whatever like I've got a few of those with Arsenal but but one of the biggest wrestling ones i've got in my life is 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 that i can just picture both of them in the ring together singing and and like as the audience is like some people were trickling out but i, I just remember being like engrossed and, <laughs> and like wait what they're actually friends like what's going on um yeah really entertaining time to look back on and probably a bit self-indulgent of me to to want to be on this show and, and talk about it but um definitely within my life it felt like a significant day in my in my childhood so so there you are oh as soon as you told us that you were at this show that was it i cl- cleared the schedules chris now nobody else but you was going to be presenting this one i could assure you with that and uh I'm very glad you managed to share those stories with us because the way we do these programs, we don't normally have many opportunities to do that, really. So this is spent 10, 10 minutes properly looking back. 20 years distance. Yes, it's when I say it's when I say 20 years out of timeline. That's when it's. Yeah, that's when 20 <laughs> years feels like 20 years. You know what I'm saying? Especially the things I was getting up to at the time. But thank you so much for sharing that with us and the listeners, Chris. That's that's wonderful. If you do remember any of the other events you attended while the UK pay-per-views are still a thing up to and including 2003, then do let us know and we can do this all over again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, this is the thing. I, I definitely remember seeing i think it must have been insurrection 2002 must have been one of them because i remember seeing booker t but like i I don't really have any memories of that oh no okay i've just looked up the card and it it was that the main event uh for may next year triple h versus the undertaker 
um, which rock Austin oh, it is now. Lamb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Um, but um, yeah, I don't really have any like moments from that that I I vividly remember um, in the same way. It must not. Maybe maybe rebellion was the tipping point. Maybe that's when I smartened up to the business, and that was it. It was all downhill from there, you know. <laughs> I was like, well, ju- ju- judging by the main events you attended, that's a pretty safe bet. I'd say <laughs> the downhill's a nice way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> it was too nice. Yeah. We'll see when we do the bookings for next year whether I give you the honour of doing that one again. <laughs> <laughs> Probably won't have quite a discussion like this outside of time. But Chris, that was great. Again, no apologies for repeating myself. Thank you for sharing that with us. That was lovely stuff. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. It was nice to have the opportunity to do so. Absolutely. And I think we'll wrap it there because we've got tons of content coming for you over the month of November, as we've stated. Volumes two and three will be coming in a bit of a trickle. I'm hoping to stagger these best I can, probably within a week, two weeks of each other. So this one, after it drops, I'd probably want to wait about another seven days for the Survivor Series show. If I was you, our listeners, I mean, we will be recording that one in six days time as we record this and i'll try and get that one out for you as soon as i can then the next day i'm a busy boy i'm recording with davinda our volume three looking at the second half of november with particular focus on the raw coming out of the pay-per-view and i'll probably try to drop that one a week after that as well as far as our standard wrestling 20 years ago podcast shows are concerned we will then have two more coming for you before the end of the year we will have our december show which i've got on board mr dell Muir and Mr. Pete Kimber. So that one will be looking at the Vengeance events. And we will, of course, have our annual, I know you've been looking forward to this one, our annual end of year rewards, as mentioned in the course of this program. Uh, still waiting for a vote to come in as we do this. I know Chris is beavering away as we speak on his. <laughs> and I will put this on air now, Chris. Your votes are going to shake things up. There's, uh, there's a lot of ties at the moment. So one pick here and one pick there could blow the whole thing open. So just bear that in mind when you send them my way. Look, that's my intention. A bit of a chaos factor, you know, just going to... You are definitely going to... Like, Eric as I say, Eric submitted his vote yesterday and, oh, my goodness me, he's added a lot to the mix. So I think you actually need to... You call it chaos. I think you need to calm things down with your votes, actually, because <laughs> otherwise we're going to... All of all says, we're going to have a lot of re-watching over the next couple of weeks, the way things are. So choose very carefully. Yep, no problem. I'll do my best. <laughs> if anybody can you can again everybody thank you so much for listening to this uh, especially it being a uk pay-per-view we do try to get ourselves up for this one i we, what is it they always say when you're in radio the listener knows when you're smiling i'd like to think that we kept on smiling through the 75 minutes of recording this one it's always a little harder for these pay-per-views but we've got to do them and we enjoy them like we enjoy bringing everything to you each and every month but from chris white's chris thank you for your contributions today and of course your 20 years hence look at rebellion 2001 absolute pleasure thanks uh yeah always fun to do a show with you rory so yeah good times absolutely i have been rory mcnamara and we will see you again next time thanks for listening <laughs>